like what them dudes like you know black people who find every excuse in the world not to do stuff with black people man ain't enough ice cubes in here that's why you can't do nothing with black people that's why I can't f- with you man you look like my cousin Ray Ray right right and like, I don't f- with Ray Ray <laughs> I don't with Ray Ray Unless you, unless like Ray Ray has a very specific set of skills, yes. Like you falling behind on your car payment, exactly. So you need your car to go away, exactly. Ray Ray is Ray Ray. Ray Ray is good for that. What up, cousin? You know exactly. (laughs) Hi, your mama. Anyway, (laughs) and the bad thing is Ray Ray is kind of distant from the family. Okay. And he knows that's what you're doing. Exactly. But he just wants family contact so badly that he'll go along with it. It's actually kind of sad if you think about it long enough. Yeah, but, but thankfully we don't have to give it much thought. Some, hey, sometimes you need an Xbox at the last <laughs> minute. You need a last minute Xbox. And Ray Ray is where you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. <laughs> Two men, one podcast. Ray Ray, the printer went up, and the baby has to print her report. I need a printer <laughs> in 15 minutes. You know I got you, cuz. See? <laughs> you need that collated. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't even know what collated means. That is just a term I've heard. That mean it got white teeth. <laughs> See? See? That's terrible. It got fluoride. That is terrible. You only call up Rayway when you need something quasi-legal. Hey everybody, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And I am joined by Hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's all soul, eight to ten on Wednesdays. Um tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Yes, we are. Having a good time here. Uh as we sit down to review 1969's Yes. The Learning Tree. The Learning Tree. Written, produced, and directed by Gordon Parks. Music by Gordon Parks. Produced by Gordon Parks. Based on the novel novel by by Gordon Gordon Parks. Parks, Like, I'm pretty sure he did craft services and the costumes. Yes. (laughs) Like, Gordon Parks did everything. Makeup. Makeup. Yeah, it's all Gordon Parks. (laughs) <laughs> pretty much um so we're gonna ha- we're gonna have fun this was uh vince's uh this was your no selection. this was your selection oh, was it oh. yeah that's why i was letting you talk but this was your selection uh, i did select this yeah i forgot all right <laughs> but before we get i mean in- we can do it like i selected because i would have selected it yes let's do it like you selected. <laughs> we'll do it like you I know sele- why because the only reason i selected it because i mentioned it you mentioned it and right. i saw that it was available right 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 so that's the only reason i was like well hey then and the funny thing is i said kevin hooks and, and, it's, and it's it's not kevin hooks but what i was thinking of was sounder right and this i conflated the two because it's like both like barefoot black boys in overalls run around in the field now l- let me ask you something could you just you just use the word 
And you're you're the English professor. Here. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. But you are. I mean, I am, but I don't know what, why this qualifies me for whatever it is we're about to talk no, about. No, you used the word conflated. Yes. But you used it in uh, a, in a place where I would have used confused the two. Right. Well, I conflated because I talked about the plot mm-hmm. of, 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 of the uh, learning tree. Right. But then I said instead of Kyle Johnson. You said Kev- Kevin I Hooks. I said Kevin Hooks. So how is that a conflict? It's like I don't – Because I blended it. Oh, okay. So that's what conflation – Right. Like if I confuse it, I'd say, you know, like in the learning tree when, um, when the father goes to jail in Cicely Tyson – sends him the chocolate cake and they eat it with their hands. And then you would say, oh, no, you're confusing that with Sounder. Right. Because that's what happens in Sounder. But why wouldn't that, what you just said, be conflating? Because there's no blend. Like, I actually just took the the plot whole scale and and replaced it. it. Okay. Okay. See, this I had the plot and the cast member from somewhere else, and I put them together. I actually mushed them together. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. One might say, to speak in comic book parlance, you amalgamated them. I amalgam. It's like the amalgam universe. It's like when Superman and Captain America, they put them together. And, and Super Soldier. Remember, it was Super Soldier. That's, the, that's right. That's right. That's right. If you could take a character from a movie and plop him into another movie... Is there anyone that comes to mind right off the off the top of your head? Actually, there is, and we were just. It, it it's so funny. We were watching. We you know we have, um, we we have um, dear white people coming up. Yes, and there are characters. And it's so funny. I was watching dear white people getting ready for a new episode, and I said that there were characters in dear white people that if we had put them in Get Out they would not have gone up in the woods or if they would have gone up in the woods, they would have acted differently. Okay. Okay. So I've been thinking about characters because, you know, get out is still on my mind. It's stuck with you. It's stuck with me. So like I'm seeing characters like, wow, I wonder how such and such would have reacted in get out. Mm. Hmm. So that's now my go-to film. If I dropped, you know, if I dropped somebody Morpheus into get out, I like, wonder how Morpheus would have like with Morpheus like Morpheus would have gone up there with her, but Morpheus also would have been more aware of his surroundings. Do you think Morpheus would have gone with her? I think Morpheus would have gone with her because Mor- Morpheus was curious, and Morpheus had faith in the um, in the oracle yeah. and in the prophecy. So that, that so would... he figured it would all work out. Mm. But would he have gotten sunken? No. No, no, because I think Morpheus would have been aware of what she was doing with the teacup immediately. Okay, because that looks like a signal. It does, right? I see that, and and just staying in kind of like that action realm. Mm-hmm. I think that Blade, yes, wouldn't have gone with her. Yeah, Blade wouldn't have gone with her. No, here's what Blade would have done. Blade would have said, I'm not going with you. And then she would have gone up there by herself or taken someone else, and Blade would have followed them. Yeah. Because Blade's a hunter. And then Blade would, Blade would have laid waste to all of them. Well, it, it's a 10-minute it's a movie if, 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 if Blade's in it. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, the, it's the pre-credit action piece. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what it is. So. That's what it is. All right. That was fun. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's all you wanted? 
<laughs> that was enough for me. All right. Was that good enough for you? Hey, always. All right. So let's get into uh, 1969's The Learning Tree. Tree, written and directed by Gordon Parks, is a 1969 drama film produced and released by Warner Brothers that tells the story of a young African-American named Newt Winger growing up in rural Kansas during the late 20s, early 30s, when racial discrimination was a social norm and legally sanctioned in parts of the United States. It was based on Parks' 1964 semi-autobiographical novel of the same name. And it holds the distinction of being the first Hollywood studio film to be directed by an African-American. In 1989, The Learning Tree was selected for uh, preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And this film... Uh, coming of age film starring Kyle Johnson, Alex Clark, Estelle Evans, Dana Elker, uh, Mira Waters, Joel Fluellen, Malcolm Atterbury, and the infamous 
Richard Ward, <laughs> who has very quickly become the Michelle Mission enemy. Yes. Yes, he's public enemy number one here on the Michelle Mission. Uh, this movie was more or less the selection of Vince. Right, right. It so, came when we were talking. Mm-hmm. So, Vince, what say you about the learning tree? Well, you know, it's it's funny. We were... um. Even if you listen to that episode, you you say, oh, I thought that was a TV movie. Yeah. And I thought, I think that's really relevant because it's one of those movies that you kind of grew up and caught. And and I mixed Mm -hmm. it up with Sounder because Sounder was the other one. Yeah, that was always You know, it was always kind of on television. You would catch it at certain points. And... I think, you, you know, it's the sort of thing where I started watching it. And, and, you know, like I some of these movies I just sort of watch so that it's fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say I'm doing something else, but I'm you know, doing something. You don't something. have to be. Right, right. I know I don't have to in. be deep into it because I've seen it and I kind of know it. I'm just kind of refreshing myself. And I, I, I rented it. Like, actually rented it. And I don't know the last time or if I've ever seen Sounder uncut I mean um see I just did it, did it I just did it. it you know I've never I haven't seen uh, The Learning Tree uncut right cause wow it's a different movie it's a different movie dog. it's a different movie when it's unedited yeah and I think it made it much more interesting cause it has these sort of wild narrative shifts mm-hmm. where you know the film comes on and it's it's the, the the protagonist newt and he's barefoot and he's running in these beautiful pastoral you know pastoral fields yes yeah, it's, it's and it, it's kansas and it's the these bright blue skies and he's just running free and these overalls on and he's doing cartwheels and and you know and oc smith is singing the learning tree and it's the just learning tree and it's just very warm and it almost feels like an after school special it does <laughs> i was <laughs> right on the nose man and then a storm comes up and and i couldn't quite get it straight was he bitten by a snake because remember, she had wrapped something around his leg, and I thought I saw a snake at some point, and it looked like he was dazed. I don't think he was. I don't think this is the way I read it. Okay. I don't think he was. This is bit, important, folks. Bitten by a snake. I think because you see the tornado. Right. And you see it off in the distance, and then as he's sitting there studying an anthill. Right. The storm quickly gets comes upon him, and he goes to run away. And. What I saw was that he falls over like a dead log that's there, right. but he hits it hard. Oh, okay. And it like really messes. I up was his so leg. confused because I because because the the important thing is now he's in this haze in the storm. Yeah, and a woman comes and and you know we come to find out later that she works at the local whorehouse and her name is the B- local brothel. I'm sorry. Because if you're going to speak like that, you're not going to be long in this business. The, the local brothel. <laughs> the the local uh, where we're fun time house. Mm. How's that fun time there house? There you go. Fun time house. Fun world. Fun world. <laughs> and, you know, and she's very vivacious. Like, you know, just very, you, you know. She has a name. Well, they call her Big Mabel. Yes. And Big Mabel has sex with him. Like, After she say she does get him out of the storm. She gets him out they of the find storm. Find like a uh, uh, like a shed or something that they can hole up in, 
in the storm. He's obviously out of it. Yes. Well, and then she takes him, and he's wet, and they're wet, and he's shivering. And you think, well, okay, she's just sort of taking care of him. But then she starts taking off her clothes because she's wet, too. And then she climbs into, you, you know, this sort of makeshift. They get into a burlap sack. Burlap sack. And then she has sex with him. Okay, here's the other thing. And again, you go from this after school special to, and then I have in my notes, did Big Mabel just have sex with the 15 year old protagonist? Did she have sex? She absolutely had sex. Because you don't see them having no, sex. No, you don't see them having sex. You don't see them the, really touching. But the, the implication is, well, and when he talks to his boy later in the movie. He says that all they did I was, heard, y'all, I heard that you lost your cherry. And dude said, I told you all that happened. We, we laid in the burlap in the burlap sack together. That was it. And he said, I told you that was all that happened. And it's pointed out a number of times in the film that he knew. The, who was this boy uh, does not lie the other part besides the wild narrative shifts is that this is an amazingly well constructed film and well put together film and, and Gordon Parks you know it's Gordon Parks so he has this great visual eye and, and you know you have these wonderful transitions and I would argue that Gordon Parks put that scene there because in, in the way that, that that scene is filmed, it looks like he has sex. Like, that's the way it's filmed. And it's Gordon Parks, and I don't think any any frame in this film is there accidentally. So, so you have that. Um, there's a parallel story between, the, you know, this character, Newt, and then there is another character named Marcus, Mm-hmm. who's from the wrong side of the tracks and he doesn't have the family structure that Newt has. And I thought that was this really kind of, of interesting theme that that Gordon Parks was sort of putting out there that, you know, he doesn't say racism doesn't exist. He doesn't say that, that you know, these people aren't dealing with sort of issues like this in because it's set in 1920, in the yeah. 1920s. But because Newt comes from a family, Newt is able to navigate this world much more easily than Marcus, yes. who, you know, he lives in a shack with his father, Booker Savage, played again by Richard Ward. Richard Ward. And his father, it should be, it, it, it should be noted, is a very, very, very absentee father. Very absentee father. And, and you know, and, and the movie makes a point of showing how this has a direct effect on how Marcus is treated. Yes. And how Marcus's life unfolds. Yes. Um, you know, the acting, you know, I think Newt, I think Newt works. Like, I think Newt is our, I think Newt gets a little annoying at some point. But I think as a realistic young man, you know, kind of naive, kind of at this point in his life, I think he works. But, um, you know, I'm a fan of the learning tree. We talk about some other stuff, but, but that's sort of my initial, you know, would, you, would you think, Lynn? This movie—it's a—it's a very interesting movie, um, right? The the tonal shifts are wild, and and it's only that shift is only uh, um, banged harder or punctuated even more by the shifts in the music, because there are times when 
you know, musically and and based on some of the scenes where this could have been like the Andy Griffith show. Right, right. You know, um, and then there are another, other scenes where this could have been, you know, this could have been uh, one of the episodes of Roots. <laughs> right. So you like you're, you don't know w- what you're getting. Now, I think, like like you say, that uh, part of that is um, purposeful mm-hmm. because when you were living in those times, like the, like like it said in in uh, the Wikipedia write up of the movie, uh, you were living in the 20s and 30s Kansas where racism is a social norm. Right, right. It it comes with the territory. Right. You know? Um, And it's, and it's a different, and in there, and in that, it's different than what we saw in Nothing But a Man, where the racism is just like this, this oppressive, feel that's in the air right for all of the fi- for all of the um the film here the racism is just is it's it's the dialogue it's what is done you know what i mean right, I mean, right. there are people that are you know yes there are they are a little jerky about their you know their racism but there are also some people who are you know, believe themselves to be allies. Right. They're still, still, they're they're the ones that are just operating from a place of privilege and just don't exactly, see it, exactly. You know? So it's it's just the it's just what is there. right. So you're and, talking about specifically the judge character, yes, that Newt's mother works for, mm-hmm. and the the family doctor, the family doctor, who, you right. know, is almost like a fit. You know, he's. And almost like a, a family friend, a family friend, you yeah. know, or, or at least you know, if you asked him, yeah, yeah absolutely, they're, they're my friends, you know, yeah. Um. So, so, uh, and so, I, like I say, I think that I think that it is very purposeful because when you are growing up in that, that's how you do see life. When you're thinking back on your memories, because you remember this is semi autobiographical, so right, right, it's right. pulled from Gordon's life. Um, I and, imagine- and just to get this, much like Soul Food, you see this film from Newt's perspective. Exactly. So it's not an okay. It's not okay. An adult's perspective. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. So you have, yeah. so you have, you know, the highs and the lows of being a kid, right? And then being, you know, when you're there are times when you're a 15 year old kid, and then there. Oh, you're a 15 year old going on adulthood. Right, right. You're on the cusp, and and it can be as as simple from just walking 20 feet down the road. Yeah, you know, from being a kid to oh, I've got to deal with some stuff. Well, I mean, within moments, they have a scene where they're they're actually swimming in the swimming hole. Yeah, and they're like boys, and they're swimming in, and they they actually take all their clothes off. It's like something out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, and they're swimming in within moments. You they're, see a black man shot to death. Yes, and now the next time they're in the swimming hole, they're in the swimming hole to unwrap this dead man. Right, right. From from the the, the muddy mercs. Yeah. Of the lake, the, the lake where they were just once playing. Yeah. Is now a murder scene. Yes. And, for the and, first time in the film. How about that? Yeah. Um, 
in just the in like just the blink of an eye. Right. You know, I think now they actually call that Murder Lake. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I'd call it if I lived in Kansas. <laughs> like in this one film, two people are murdered. I'd call it Murder Lake. I, 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 I think that qualifies. Murder Lake. <laughs> we should go have a picnic over by Murder Lake. Like if it was just one person, it would be manslaughter. <laughs> right, right. But two. Right, right. Yeah, that's murder. All right. <laughs> that's, that's murder. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it, it, the the wild shifts in the tone, I accept it. Okay. Um, some of the some of the um, the amateurness in the acting because I, yeah. I cause like you said the uh, Kyle Johnson who plays yeah Newt, plays Newt. Um, he's very one note throughout the yeah. entire movie. Yeah, Newt Newt begins to. It, <laughs> It's funny by the end. So you know, as we said, Newt and Marcus are basically enemies throughout the film. Yeah, and you know, and of course, the film positions both characters so that you know Newt's the good kid mm-hmm. and Marcus is the bad kid. But I have to say, by the end, I was kind of sympathetic to Marcus. I was, like, I was sympathetic for is, Marcus. No, but Newt is is Newt is sort of annoying. He is sort of annoying. However, however. Um, <clears throat> Newt, at the end of the day, didn't do anything wrong. No, he and didn't. even before sure. he, he he does the big thing at the end of the movie for which Marcus will never forgive him. Right. Even before that, he really didn't do anything. He's to Mar- just sort of an oblivious, privileged kid. Well, I don't want who kind of skips through life. I mean, see, I wouldn't say. I that. mean, it's all it's all relative. Like I can see Marcus seeing him this way. Okay. Like he has everything. He's kind of, you know, and he's just in their world. In their world, you yeah. know, as you know, as far as a black person in 1920s Kansas, it seems like Newt just sort of skips through life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. From Marcus' viewpoint. Yeah. From Marcus's viewpoint, I, I can see that. Um, it and th- there were also parts of this movie, and I, I almost wish that Gordon had leaned into this a little bit more where this easily could have been like the black stand by me with, right with the it's four or five right boys. It's right four got five if you count marcus right um that i actually could have just followed them throughout the movie now yeah. it doesn't really build up on the rest of those other up other boys you really only build up on um newt and marcus and their their uh parallel you know trajectories throughout this film right um but I, I really would have I would have been interested in seeing the whole deal, you know. But uh it was it was uh I'll say it was the type of type of film that I don't think that I would have sat down to watch if it was not the Michelle mission. Okay, in so the, in these days and times. So when's the, what do you mean? Okay, well go ahead. What like, do you mean by like that? Easily the last time I saw it was when I was a kid. I okay. Saw it on television. And if I had seen it like if I had seen it that's where it was. I was trying to remember where did I see this movie where I could have watched it for free and we didn't have to rent it. It was on Turner Classic Movies. Okay. That's right. I don't have the, I didn't have the app. Duh. So I, I rented it too. Okay. Duh. Waste my money. But anyway. <laughs> but it wasn't a waste. No, 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 no. It, was, it, it wasn't a waste. Because the one thing I will say, Gordon Parks, a noted photographer. Yeah. Um, and he... I... I 
he does wield a nice camera. The composition of some of these and shots. How many shots? It uh, was, you know, we, we just talked about they had to pull a dead body from the water and Newt dreams about it. Yeah. And the dream sequence. Yeah, you see the body underwater. Right, and and just the colors and the light sort of diffusing through the water and Mm -hmm. it's the it's sort of the seaweed floating and it's it's and you can tell it's a dream. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a great kind of moment. It is. You know, and it's one of those moments where I had to it's like, oh, it's some like this is amazing right now. Yeah, yeah. He's he he was doing he did work. Um, I do think that some of the some of the script and some of the characters are a little broadly drawn, mm-hmm. uh, like Newt's parents, especially his mother. Um, <laughs> she she loved Jesus and she loved her family. Yeah, I, I'm finished. I'm I'm finished actually. She has a scene in this movie where I guess she faints and or passes out that. I thought I was looking at Kim Kardashian on the screen. <laughs> you, you know the funny thing about her, which always bugs me out about this movie. Every time I see the movie, because she, they have her like she's this older woman, what, like a fifteen-year-old boy. The, every time I watch it, I forget that she's his mother. Yeah, you I think, think she's, like she's his grandmother. You, that's because she's got she's got a, a, a gray wig. But so it's this gray wig, and she almost resembles the mother in Soul Food. Like Almost. she's smaller than her, but yeah. just her cadence and everything. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch it, it's like, so are you telling me 15 years ago this woman was having sex? I'm whispering because like some yeah, children yeah, yeah, just walk up. Yeah. So and <laughs> and I and I don't know why they don't present her as younger. I th- I think again, I would be curious to the uh, to read about the casting choices. It's interesting that. Newt's family is his mom, who's a much older woman. Yeah, his pop, who is a much older man. Right. Um, his older brother, who looks like he's thirty-eight years old. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then he has an older sister. He has as an older well, sister um, who looks like she may be in her twenties. I was about to say, I, I, I thought she was in her twenties. So I'm. So I think that's the reason why you cast her as older. And I. I, I but. I mean, I guess. And if it's semi-autobiographical, I mean, you I know. I think he might, he, you know, want to get his family Newt depicted. Newt might be a oops baby. Newt might be a baby. I mean, Where'd you know, that come from? I, and I have to say, we are in Philadelphia, which in, which in my experience is the home of siblings that are 10, 15 years apart. Yeah, it's true. Very I true. I mean, my son is 11 years younger than my daughter. Like I'm over here talking crazy, like I don't have that kind of setup in my house. Exactly. So exactly, I guess we've answered our own question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like you won't be taking a cane to his uh, <laughs> right to his eighth grade prom. Right. Like my daughter is just young enough that we don't get those awkward questions about, well, who's the mother, you or her? Like if she, my daughter was two years older, mm-hmm. it'd get awkward. So there you go. But she didn't have to be such an old woman. She didn't have to be such an old woman. Um, but you know, she was, and she was she was annoying. I she see was, where Newt got it from. Yeah, she was annoying. She was very. I was like, and the father is pretty much non-existent. Non-existent. As a character, it's not that he's not in the light. Right. He's just not. He's just not. He's just a cipher. Except for the scene where he yells at Newt because he thinks Newton got this girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. Which I love that scene. Like, that was a real scene. That was. (laughs) 
Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Because he said, I want to know what's going on with you and that girl. The news, I don't know what's happening. He said, that girl is going to have a baby. So something is going on and you need to, and I think you got something to do with it. And I say, oh boy. It's a shame because. That's a real tough, that's a tough conversation he's having right now. It's a shame because that is a a really powerful scene. Yes. And well played. Yes. Um, And then the the subsequent scene when they go to the girl's house. Right. Is just as equally well played. Yes. Um, But the unfortunate thing is, is that the two kids in both of those. Can't really rise to the occasion. Can't rise to the occasion. And thus it, it, it just feels like it wants to, it's a scene that it's like wants to pop. Right, and it just can't. I'm, 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 I'm interested in that scene because you know, as we said, there, it, there's this, there are the parallel parallel storylines between Newton and Marcus. You're right, and Marcus's mother is dead. Yes, and so it's just Marcus and his father, who is a ne'er do well, as we've mentioned. He's a so, jerk. So there aren't many scenes with parents that you can parallel like that. Yeah. So you know, I, I like that scene with the father and Newt. I thought was interesting. Especially since if his mother hadn't come downstairs, I love the fact that the father had decided that this was man business. Right. And your mother doesn't, you know, because of because she got sick because, of course, she got sick. And, you know, <laughs> she got sick because the script said, right, we don't we you know, we don't need to bother your mother with this. And I was like, oh, this this is some old school man stuff. Right. Like his father's like, what is his father going to do about this? And then, of course, you know, it wasn't Newt's baby. But it just made me think, like, what was his father's plan? Like, what was his plan if I, Newt had said, that's my baby? Like, yeah. what was the next step? He was going to make Newt marry that girl. Probably. He was going to make Newt marry that yeah, girl. Man. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It, it, um, it, you know, I just thought about another scene with a uh, uh, so-called ally on here when um, Newt, is about to to walk home with his girlfriend, and oh, then gets yeah. called by the teacher, uh, who basically tells Newt, like, you know, what are these these plans? Are you trying to go to college? Right, right, like, right. You know, like, come on, come on, son. You know, no, you just that's going to be too hard for you. Right. Don't want to hurt your Negro brain. And, right. And then they eventually go to the the principal's office, who we learn is a newer principal. Right. And he doesn't espouse, you know, doesn't, you know, espouse, believe in that type of thinking. I was, um, I was listening to an older episode and I was into within our gates and, and the teacher is like the woman within our gates that black people are only good to be field hands and lumberjacks. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, um, that was that was uh, that was interesting. There's a lot of like little interesting scenes that I think 
wholly make up to create a, a you know a halfway decent movie right well you know it's you know i just talked about i was wondering about what would have happened if it actually was Newt Spade. And we're talking about Kyle Johnson and 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 how he isn't necessarily the strongest actor. Right. And I really liked the the actor that played Marcus though, Alex Clark. I did like him. And the movie that I really wanted to see is when Al, when Marcus gets adopted by the 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 black underworld mm-hmm. of Kansas. Yeah, you know Jimmy Rushing, who is a who's an old jazz and blues singer, plays the um, head sort of. He owns a he owns the the brothel, right? And club in Fun Juke World. Joint, yeah, in Fun World, and he kind of takes Marcus under his wing, and you can tell that if Marcus just sort of plays his cards right, this can be his life. Yeah, and I love that. Like I love that 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 this you know we we say the community. And the film spends a lot of time talking, you know, there are church picnics and church and, you know, there are all these nice, respectable black people. They pass each other in the street and, you know, good morning, good day. And like, that's the community. But there's another part of the community. Yeah. And that's still the community. Right. And they have different practices, but, Mm -hmm. you know, they're also loyal. And I love that little detail that he had taken Marcus in. Yeah. And say, you know, hey, boy, you need a job? What else are you going to do? And just because he saw him on the street, because, because the, the town is so small, pretty much everybody knows. Everybody knew he knows had, the story. Because at some point he goes to reform school, and he comes back from reform school. Well, and, he, they, 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 I don't know if that was reform school. That looked like jail. Yeah. That looked like and, jail. And then there's that. Yeah. And then there's and that. The young boy went to jail. Yeah. And got warmed. He got his butt warmed over. And in a lot of, because I thought that the implication, there were a few implications oh, about yeah. what happened to him in prison. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, Marcus really did draw the short straw. Yeah, he was Andy Dufresne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then he comes. Sir. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and the the guy that plays the the owner, what did you say? His Jimmy name? Rushing. Jimmy Rushing. Um, he was one some of in what little bit he had. He was some of the best acting in the movie. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Very naturalistic. Yeah, you know. Um, and like, and, and instantly developed like a rapport. And, and just the little scene, just a couple of scenes, instantly developed like you know a nice little tete a tete with Marcus. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I like Jimmy. Like, he's an old, he's one of them old school singing, like blues. Like, I just saw it said he sang with Count Basie. Mm-hmm. So much charisma. Yeah. Like, so much presence. But a lot of that, I think, is just his background. I mean, right. I think he's a good, you know, I think he does a fairly good job as an actor. But I think the best thing he does as an actor is he's able to channel himself mm-hmm. okay because yeah, you know enough. he is so charismatic and he's like he's one of these old black dudes that you know i love so much like i love these dudes yeah he was cool man he was really cool that the and like um that world it, 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 that's the thing like the whole the whole story of marcus and I wonder, is this because we like bad boys or whatever? But that his whole story was the more interesting story. Right. You know, um, you you saw the writing on the wall as far as how it was going to end. Yeah, unfortunately. But you, um, it was the more interesting one. I could have, like, followed that one. Yeah. 
and had a really good time. Well, you know, I think new and you, and you know, it's a coming of age story. So part of this is just the nature of the coming of age story. But Newt's whole story can be summed up in it's a nice kid from a nice family. He thinks the world is a nice place. But then some stuff happens to show him that the world isn't always a nice place. Right. And events happen again and again to show him that. Yeah. Which, you know, can be a little boring. Yeah. But even though you do see him, you do see it start ruffling his feathers. Yeah. And he and he lashes out about it. He right. lashes out at the teacher. Yeah. Um, to a degree, he lashes out at the cop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his brother teaches him how to box and right on time <laughs> because he gets into the ring with about four or five dudes. Right. And him and Marcus, because Marcus gets in there, too. But Marcus has no support. Right. No one has showed Marcus how to fight. Yeah. Like, you know, Marcus is angry and Marcus is from the bad, the, the wrong. And he is bigger and stronger. And he's bigger and stronger. He's from the wrong side of the tracks. And when you look at them, you're like, oh, well, they actually said at one point, they, I won. Put the money on the big. The big buck. The big buck. But Marcus has had no training and no support. And, and you know, that is the one thing, you know, like like I think we talked about it already, that I really enjoyed that that Gordon Parks really kind of hammered it home that for black people to kind of navigate this world, they need support mm-hmm. and the support of each other. And they need to, to, to kind of have this community. Yeah. And when you have it, you get newt. I think what you, you struck, you uh, struck on is very important. The support of each other. Right. Because even though there were so-called allies, throughout this movie you know it really was about the the community standing by uh, um, these kids or not standing by these kids like Newt had Newt had his friends he had his boys right and they were always going to have his back he had the solid upbringing of his mom and his father and his brother and his brother right right he thought he had the girlfriend but then she makes a mistake that while ultimately i think he tries to be forgiving of it he it also gives him a window it like you know a clue in like okay it ain't you're not going to be well here. also i thought it was an important detail she's from canada Oh, yeah, that's right. I so she don't really understand how things work around there. Yeah. So, you know, they brought her down here from Canada and this white, you know, this white teenager with the car is nice to her and she's oblivious yeah. to where this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. um, It was it was a smart movie because there are a lot of things that they showed that were very, were very subtle. Like that whole scene. They, right. We right. all knew where it was going. His girlfriend played, uh, her name is ourselves played by Mira waters. Okay. Who is, who is an, it's a name that pops up in the seventies. She actually played the, the love interest in the, um, Muhammad Ali movie, the greatest in, love of all. Oh, so the movie that Muhammad Ali starred. That right. The Muhammad Ali story starring Muhammad Ali. Yes. Because certainly, who else could play Muhammad Ali? Yes, but Muhammad Ali. But well, she's in that, and she pops up periodically, okay. and and you know just you know just to take it, I just wanted. I mean, you know, she's a kid here. Although I think she's probably eighteen, nineteen, playing mm-hmm. a kid. 
Yeah. But, you know, I'm a fan of Mira Waters. Yeah, no reason not to be. Yeah. No reason not to be. And she doesn't, not, she doesn't like, uh, not embarrass herself. Not necessarily her acting. Well, I, I don't think she embarrassed herself in right, this film. Right, right. You know, um, you know she, like you say, she was young. Yeah. She was okay. Uh, I think ultimately, though, outside of the very, let's put it, problematic opening scene between, you know, Big Big Mabel Mabel and Newt, which is then never touched on again. (laughs) It's never mentioned again. It's just, it's just, it's just kind of out there. Yes. Which, Big Mabel in her little dress. Yes. Yo, yeah. In the rain. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> this is not that show. No, no, no. This is not that show. Even though, because you have that in the back of your mind, yes, you are also kind of waiting to see what happens when Marcus right now goes working at Fun World, right? Where Big Mabel right. is, and the answer is nothing because Marcus isn't new. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And also because, you know, this is why Meryl Waters didn't embarrass herself. Yeah. The actress that played Big Mabel, I don't know if she turns up a whole lot more. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not, not a whole lot with This wasn't a coming Big out party. Mabel. For her yeah, I just, scene. I just, that's Carol Lamond, and uh, she has one credit to her filmography, and that is The Learning Tree. That is The Learning Tree. As Big Mabel. Yes. <laughs> Bless her heart. Bless her heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think I think her other credit <laughs> is that she worked crash services <laughs> on the learning tree. Well, 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 as we just mentioned, Gordon Parks did everything. So Gordon Parks did craft services, but maybe she helped unload the back of the truck. There you go. Because I'm, I'm going to make these sandwiches. This is Gordon Parks production. Exactly. Gordon Parks make the sandwiches. You go get that deli tray and bring it over here. And hand me that knife. And hand me that knife. <laughs> and the rest of the handle first. Handle first. Handle <laughs> first. <laughs> hand me that knife and the jelly. And the jelly. You make these sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you want to eat? You want to eat, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so now can we talk about Richard Ward? Absolutely. What you got to say about Richard Ward? There may not be. A bigger personification of nineteen late sixties, nineteen seventies jerk. Yes, than Richard Ward. Yeah, I, just, I mean he was he was the whistleblower. He's the guy that that dropped dime on Duff. Yes, and nothing but a man. Nothing but a man. He was James Evans' father on yes. Good Times. Absent father. Absent father, and then who stole from them? Yes, the family that had nothing. Yes, he stole yeah. from them. Ain't we lucky we got them? Good times, because we ain't got that no more. We don't have nothing else. Yeah, and he uh, apparently owns a bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that brings all the young boys to the yard. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I realized, I realized it when we watched Nothing But a Man. But now this just reinforced it. I've never seen him 
and liked his character. I don't think he's ever played a likable character. I think you're right. I think that is his lane. I think that's his lane. I mean, you know, you look at his you look at his filmography and and you know, he he's had a fair amount of work. But but you know, I do think a lot of the stuff that he plays in, I you know, what I really recognize him in is um he was in an episode of Sanford and Son too. Oh, where he? I think he plays a card sharp who helps um Fred Sanford Fred Sanford get over get, o- get over on some guys. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep, I remember it. So you know, so even then when he's on the side of the angels, he's sketchy. Mm-hmm. Also, and I'm surprised you didn't say this, he plays Steve Martin's father in the jerk. Oh wow. Yep. I haven't seen a jerk in so long, man. Really? Yeah. You strike me as an 80s comedies aficionado. You know what? I mean, at 79, but I always think about that during that there period. Are, like, there are very few movies. I shouldn't say few. But it is um, rare that I watch a lot of movies over. Oh, okay. Now, there are certainly some films that I will watch all the time. So, like, Caddyshack, Stripes, Animal uh, Farm. Stripes, I don't watch. Like, all, all of the, that kind of post-Saturday Night an, Live. Did you say Animal Farm? I'm sorry, not Animal Farm, Animal House. House. That's all, Those two completely different movies. Yeah, most certainly. <laughs> like, Animal House, I've, I've seen enough now that I, I probably wouldn't watch it right. again unless it was, like, with a bunch of people. Okay. Um but, and there are some films that I might watch. Like, I think the last time I noticed The Jerk on, it was on, like, Comedy Central. Right. And I'm not, I refuse to watch movies with commercials. Okay. So, like, I'm like, oh, no. you like my dad. That's what my dad says. Well, if Y'all I are real hardliners. If I can watch it without the commercials, then I'm going to watch right, it without right. the commercials. Like, it makes no sense to me that if I know a movie's on Netflix, yet it you know, I'm watching and it's coming up on TNT. I'm going to sit there on TNT and watch it. No, I'm going to fire up my Netflix and watch it. Why I'm going to sit there and watch it with the hey, commercials. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, I don't want to get too far into the, that really was, I really did assume that you were like an 80s Harold Ramesy dude. I do like Harold. Like if someone said, hey, does Lynn like the work of Harold Ramis and his colleagues i would say oh yeah Lynn I, I do like Howard ramus but like stripes you know i, I don't kneel at the altar like stripes. ghostbusters like how many times you seen go you I've seem seen like both a, of them y'all can't see me but i'm doing like the ghostbusters yeah, dance ghostbusters, you, yes. you know i was like you seem like you've seen ghostbusters a fair number of times i probably have yes right right some of you oh i mean i'm a harold ramus dude like, I've seen The Jerk a bunch of times. Like, when you said, oh, I haven't seen it, I was like, oh, wow, really? See, I've seen The Jerk probably a total of tw- twice. Okay. However, I've seen Which Way Is Up, Richard Pryor's movie, right. about 50 times. That's your joint. That's my shot. That, that's man. your one. That's his one. Well, he plays the father in The Jerk. See, I need to see The Jerk again. Yeah, and even then, he's just sort of... Dirt, like he always has a dirty white T-shirt on, and he always like it's a white T-shirt with some stains on it, and he and he's always greasy in the face because he got that flat nose. He's he's greasy. That just got nothing but just because he's real on. greasy in um, he, he's real greasy in the, in the learning, learning tree. tree. Oh, in the learning tree, man, he got lard on. Right, like I want to ask him because you know a lot of times you see these movies and like the black people are all greasy, but he's the only greasy person in the learning tree. No, not really. 
because the the sheriff played by Dana Elkar. Oh right. Well, he has sw- he's not greasy. He has sweat stains. Man, he, he, those sweat stains. They look like Rorschach tests yeah. on his shirt, yeah. man. Because I, I thought his shirt would like had like those, like you know how it have like 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 uh, uh, like a, a different like uh, texture right, up top right. over the pockets. I thought that's what it was. No, it was he sweated. Well, that's how the, you know he's seedy. He sweated to the top of his shirt. That's how you know he's seedy. He's a Bull Connor type figure. But yeah, he's he he being um, Dana Elkar. Oh, you're looking at the no, guy. no, no. He back to Richard Ward. Oh, is is he's and you know it's so it's an interesting um, development in the film where like for most of the film you just think he's just sort of pathetic. Yeah, but then the film lets you know in the last you know 15 minutes, no, he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually a bad person. Yep. Which then. You, you know, it, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, it, it has all of this stuff to say about environment versus who you actually are. Yeah. So that, you know, back to Marcus, when he's adopted by the underworld, he still can't hold it together. He can't. Like he's still, you know, sort of his nature. Well, gets the like best the of second him. they second they do gives him a job. And do steps away. He's already breaking what little rules he gave. Right, him. right. And you can see he's figuring out an angle to yeah. steal from him. And yeah, so it's a shame. Uh, it is a shame. It is a shame. So you know, Gordon Parks from this is nineteen sixty nine. Three years later, he makes Shaft. Do you see a connection between these two films? Like, if I told you, oh, this is the dude who goes on to do Shaft, like, you say, oh, okay, I see that. I mean, I, I, I get, outside of the the inventiveness with the camera work and the direction, um, and I guess, and I think this, I don't think it's necessarily a stretch, but I guess that it is in there, and that at, in, at the end, both movies, this and Shaft, are about your protagonist staying true to whom they are despite whatever outside forces okay. are pl- uh, piled against them. Other than that, I, I, if there's a, a through line between the two, I don't see it. Okay. Do you? I mean, not really. I think, I mean, just that Gordon, like you can tell that Gordon Parks is a photographer. Yeah. Like I think both films, and I think it's stronger in Shaft because he has more to work like he's working with 1972 New York and he's working with with the village and he's working with Harlem like I think the sense of place in a Gordon Parks film is so strong yeah and it is stronger in Shaft because while I think he works hard with this film there are times that this film does not feel right 20s or 30s where it's supposed to be it actually feels like maybe 60s, right. maybe even 50s. Right, But right. definitely just not where it's supposed right. to. And, you know, and I think part of that is, is you know, these little towns. In a lot of ways, yeah. they, don't, they don't age. Right. So right. that, like you said, it's like, and, and it's, it's so funny. Again, talking about I've seen this film and then you pick up details you've never picked up. I don't know if I ever noticed it was supposed to be set in the 20s. Like you just said, I thought it was the 50s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they said the 20s, it's like, you know, you see a couple of scenes with cars and you say, oh, okay, well, I guess these are old cars. 
But you're absolutely right. You know, you can't tell what year it is, um, except for the shots that that really go out of their way to show these long, you know, these long shots of of the fields and the skies. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's the Midwest. It could be the South. Well, the second, like in the beginning, where you see him through that field and you see the hurricane in the distance right and i'm and i'm i'm just waiting for well the music actually sort of alludes to it it. like you do get that you you know that kind of like kind of like tingling that 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 piano yeah right but the second the second i see the tornadoes out there i'm thinking midwest right 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 i mean you know he he ain't in philly no (laughs) no he is not but um it wasn't a bad film i it's a film that i i think people can pull something out of and you know. you know i like it i feel like it's a film that i've seen more than it probably warrants mm-hmm. you, you know i think it is it you know we've talked about this before about certain films like there are certain films that they used to run on television yeah and this is a film like this and sounder mm-hmm. that they would be on and you would catch it at you know the other thing is because it's not a heavy a heavily plotted film is almost like a series of vignettes. Yeah. Oh, kind of like Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like Christmas Story, mm-hmm. actually. So you can drop in at various points of the film and just sort of watch it. Yeah. And I feel like I've done that more than, you know, again, the quality of the film certainly justifies. Yeah, but. You, you, gave it, you gave it its due. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission. Good on you, boy. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I guess we gotta do Sounder though. Eventually, <laughs> we we have to break up. The we barefoot. gotta break that we stuff gotta, up though. We gotta break up the overall barefoot movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's a shame because Sounder is better than this. I've never seen Sounder either. Oh yeah, it's got Paul Winfield, Cicely Tyson, Lil Ken Hooks. I know a dog. Name Sounder. <laughs> Name Sounder. Like Sounder is pretty good. Sexualize Cicely Tyson too, which is I'm she? always. I mean, yeah, that's his lady. I mean, that's his wife. But but it is like um, you know that's one of my little hobbies, like finding places where Cicely. Because it seems like Cicely Tyson has been an old woman forever. Yeah. So it's interesting to see well, moments. Cicely Tyson is this era's Ruby D. Right, right, exactly. Except that you know we did find some documentary footage that Ruby yeah. D used to be young. <laughs> like Cicely Tyson played like you know Miss Jane Pittman, and I think many of us forget that she had makeup on. Yeah, like she's just old lady. So you know I like like Sounder. There's an episode of um, the Bill Cosby Show mm-hmm. where Chet Kincaid dates Cicely Tyson. Yeah, Cicely Tyson had her own special. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah she was she was hot. And, just, and as much as everybody, you know, kneels at the altar of Cicely Tyson now, you know, if you were a fan of um, 2016's uh, hit movie Deadpool, you know, you had Leslie Uggams in there. Where's Leslie Uggams been? Where has well, she was funny in that movie? We've talked about Leslie Uggams. Leslie like, Uggams. Problem with Leslie Uggams is that she was like third in line all the time. Yeah, I know. Like you know, she was behind Diane Carroll and Nancy Wilson, and you you know, and 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 all these people. Like like for the show, 
like the singing show and then acting like you know it's like Cicely Tyson and and who else was like like Ruby D Mary Alice and then I like, don't know if she can get with Ruby D but Leslie Uggams is every bit as good an actress as Cicely Tyson and Mary Alice I don't think she's as good as Cecily Tyson. Cecily, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Cecily Tyson's not a good actress. Yeah. But I think Leslie Uggams is just as good. Oh, look at you. Do you have a soft spot for Leslie Uggams? I think Leslie, she doesn't get her just Do due. Do you have a soft spot and for... And I'm tired of... I'm tired of have the, I found someone that Lynn has a soft spot for? No, here's the thing. Leslie Uggams in Deadpool is having fun... With her own hair out in a nice little afro with her playing the blind, having fun, having fun in this movie. Cecily Tyson, God bless her, has her granddaughter's wig on in everything that she's doing. (laughs) You like Leslie uh, Uggams. Because when I've seen her. Is Is she your Diane Carroll? Is Leslie Uggams your Diane Carroll? No, she's not my Diane Carroll. All right. She's not my Diane Carroll. My Diane Carroll is Gladys Knight. Okay. All right. She, Gladys Knight just doesn't act that much. And Gladys Knight is actually super talented. E- extremely talented. So. The woman doesn't give a just do. Right, right, that, right. That, don't, don't get me started on Gladys Knight. Don't get you started on Gladys Knight. Matter of fact, Gladys Knight and Leslie Uggam should do a TV show for Amazon. Call it Leslie and Gladys. Or Gladys and Leslie. We'll let the lawyers work it out. I'm like Red in the Five Heartbeats. We'll let the lawyers, <laughs> lawyers work, work that out. out. So do we have a deal or what? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get out of here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Michelle Mission. We will be back in... Uh, we, we've, we've, got, we've got guest stars lined up. We've got um, Mike... Um, Mike from Real Black. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, because we, we we want to do um, what is it? Dark Strutters. Oh, 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 yeah, Dark Town Strutters. Dark Town Strutters. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay, uh, Leanne, Lindsay of Tinsel and Time. Finally, finally, she's chosen her movie. What's her movie? Talk to me. Okay. All right. I like yeah. Talk to me. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Oh yeah. Um, I think that was like one of the best movies of. I think it came out two thousand. 12, it's a good movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So we've got we got movies lined up. We're going to be getting um, Charlene Griffith, uh, the, uh, get her back in here, um, and um, we're going to have a lot of fun right here. And then some episodes will just be me and you. Yeah, some episodes you'll just have to deal with me and Vince. <laughs> Hopefully, that will be. Um, you know, you won't be too disheartened. Yes. And you'll continue to listen. Yes. To uh, the Michelle Mission, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and every place a good podcast be, including the CLNS podcast app. Look up CLNS app on iTunes or on Google Play, and you will find the Michelle Mission as well as the Black Tribbles, as well as the Beats and Eats podcast, and about 30 other Sports and uh, entertainment and geek influence podcast right there for your listening pleasure. Until next week, please hit us up. Email us at MichelleMission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Michelle Mission. 
He's Vince. I'm Len. And parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.